We celebrate the memorial of St. John of the Cross today. St. John was uh, a Carmelite who was called many years ago, he's a counter-Reformation saint, so it's the 1500s, late 1500s. He was called uh, and worked in conjunction with St. Teresa of Avila in Spain to reform the, the Carmelites. And he's probably the most important um, teacher in the history of the church of mystical theology, of spiritual theology, of the, the theology of how the Christian ought to grow in holiness and in and nearness and closeness with God. So that, that's kind of St. John in a nutshell. And uh, I'm going to tie his life in to our first reading from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah says, uh, God says through the prophet Isaiah to Israel, I will make of you a threshing sledge, sharp, new and double-edged, to thresh the mountains and crush them to make the hills like chaff. When you winnow them, the wind shall carry them off, and the storm shall scatter them. So he's talking about threshing and winnowing. I gave a homily about how uh, this process of threshing and winnowing is a metaphor for how Christ comes into our life and he separates the good and the bad within us and, and retains the good and drives the bad away. So I'm going to kind of do a little bit of refresher on that, but then put a new new twist on it, okay? Uh, because this process involves us being the threshing sledge uh, and and the winnow and the winnower. So, just to, as a refresher here, with this this ancient practice of farming that had to do with grain, and they took the grain, they cut it down, and they put it in a pile on a large open space. And then in this case, they would, there was different ways of threshing it, but in this case, a threshing sledge, from what I understand, it's basically like a sled that's got sharp, uh, it's got like sharp implements on its bottom. And uh, they would use an ox or an ass or some kind of animal, and the guy would get on the sledge, on the, on the sled itself, and he would let the animal, you know, basically drag him over all of the grain, and it would crush up the grain, and so what would happen would be that the outer surface, the outer crust, the chaff, would kind of be broken up, and then the kernel, the seed, the grain itself, would be separated from it, and that was a process, and I don't know how long it took, but that's what they would do, and then they would sweep it all together, okay, and then the winnowing process would take place, and hopefully they would place it on top of a hill, or wherever there's a wind going by, and they would take a kind of a fan or a fork and they would keep, they would stick it into the pile of the chaff and the, and the weed seeds, the weed kernels, and they would throw it up in the air and the wind would blow away the lighter chaff. And then the seeds would fall down to the threshing floor and remain there and they would just keep doing that until all the chaff was blown away. So that was the winnowing process. So there was two, two processes. And uh, St. John of the Cross talked about how, and this is, the, this is the classic paradigm of how the grace of God works in our life to transform us and make us more like Christ and bring us more into alignment with God's will and, and submissive and obedient to his will. There's two main phases. Is that the Holy Spirit first works on getting, uh, breaking up the surface of, our, of the human person. 
That is our senses and our passions. So he kind of works on our senses and our passions first. Okay, that's kind of the uh, the more superficial, uh, the less deep part of ourselves. Okay, and uh, and then he once that process is is you know in full swing, he starts to go deeper and he gets to our free will, to our will. Our will is the spiritual core of our being. It's the most important part of us, along with our intelligence. Our will is what God is really after. So there's really these two phases. It's kind of a, it correlates with the whole uh, threshing phase and then the winnowing phase. When the threshing phase, this is a metaphor, you know, God is breaking us up and he's kind of working at us in terms of our senses and our passions and getting them in alignment. They're kind of unruly. They're covering up the will. Uh, they're in, encrusting us. And once that's all broken up, then he does the winnowing process so that the only thing that's left is a pure will that's handed over to God. That's what he's really after. He wants our will. He wants it to be totally in alignment with him and obedient to him. So it's a spiritual process, and he does it through uh, things in our life. Um, he does it mostly through when we open ourselves to him in prayer. We have to dispose ourselves, put ourselves before him, and allow him to do this threshing and winnowing process. So prayer is the main thing. Uh, but then penitential works are also essential. And then, once we've got that going, he will allow trials and challenges into our life, external purifications that take place, you know, conflicts at the workplace, conflicts within the family, tragedies that take place, so forth and so on. He uses all these external things in our life to continue that process of threshing and winnowing so that we are submissive to him, so that our will is totally given over to him. And in the life of St. John of the Cross, um, he he went through many, many trials. Lots of times people think, well, you know, if you're like one of these contemplative people, you know, you just go and like live in a monastery and what, you know, what kind of troubles can you get? Oh, the devil's very creative. <laughs> The devil is very creative. You can't ever escape trials in life. No matter, you go to the, out into the furthest regions of the desert, away from all people, you're still going to be trials. So in, in St. John of the Cross's case, what happened was uh, he was called to reform his order. Well, everybody hated his guts. <laughs> everybody hates the guy that comes in and points out that, you, you know, what you're doing wrong that you're not living up to the standards, that you're failing in this and failing in that. Everybody hates his guts, okay? So he actually was, you know, and at this time, church and state were very close. So, you know, there were state authorities that actually imprisoned him. He was put in prison. He was tortured, okay, by his own religious order, all right? And uh, he, he he never talks about it, but you can only you only get this through reading historians because in his own writings, he never mentions any of this. But through the, the writings of historians, they talk about how he was tortured, and uh, he actually escaped <laughs> this whole process of imprisonment and torture. Uh, and he went on to successfully reform the Carmelites. And so to this day, when you ever see Carmelites discalced, that phrase discalced, that is the branch of the Carmelites that is a result of Teresa and John's efforts of purification. So what happens, though, there's a second element to all of this process of purification that we see in Isaiah is that when we submit ourselves to God's threshing and winnowing um, 
process and we become more pure and our will becomes more in alignment with God's will and we become holier, we become better Christians, we become holier, we now start to be a threshing sledge and a winnowing fan in relation to the world. See, God wants the church, he wants the body of Christians to be that principle of purification in the world. Okay? And we see that in St. John of the Cross. Because St. John of the Cross yielded himself to that process, he now became a purifier for his religious order. And the wheat and the chaff was separated. So the wheat, meaning the good guys, remained and were reformed and became dedicated and holy. And the chaff hated his guts and fought him and imprisoned him and tortured him, so forth and so on. Uh, so he was, a, was a, we become a polarizing force in the world. Okay? Now, if people hate our guts, uh, you gotta ask yourself, is it because we're jerks? Or is it because we are bringing into the world the presence of holiness, and that's making people feel uncomfortable? So it's gotta be one or the other. Okay? So obviously, if people hate us because we're a bunch of jerks and we're not living up to our, you know, Christianity, <laughs> that's not good. Right? We gotta stop that. But the other process is that those who become holy, they become a principle of purification in the world, and they become a force that polarizes people. So people either are attracted to them and say, this person, when I get close to them and I get near to them and I develop a relationship to them, they make me want to serve God more, and they make me get closer to God. And it's a little bit, there's a little bit of uncomfortableness, but once I get past that, I like this person, I'm attracted to them. That's the grace of conversion working through us in that person's life. There's another person who gets close to us, gets close to the person, you know, who's growing in holiness and says, I hate this guy's guts and I don't even know why. <laughs> okay, they don't, they don't like it because they feel the presence of God inviting them, asking them to say, come to me, come to me. But they don't want to give up their sin, their passions, their ambitions, their envies, so forth and so on. They don't want to let that go. So because they cling to that, they have a sense of enmity and hatred towards this person who's actually holy. We saw that, of course, in the life of Christ. That's why he was crucified. His enemies hated him because he was the very, of course, presence of God in the world. He was a threshing sledge. He was a winnowing fork in the world. And so, my brothers and sisters, we are called to be the same thing. And we achieve that status as God's threshing sledge and winnowing fork in the world to the extent that we ourselves let God uh, purify us and subject us to that, that same process of purification. So through the prayers of St. John of the Cross, may that be so for us.